Hello, and welcome to another episode of Sexual Confidence on Tap with Shannon Etheridge and friends. And here is my friend, Michelle Woods, to tell us what are we going to talk about today, Michelle? Hey, Shannon. Today, we've got the difference four little letters make, new terms you may not be familiar with, and red flags to look for in relationships before or after marriage. Ah, the red flag conversation. Mm-hmm. Should probably tune in to that. <laughs> yeah, whether you are married or single. Yep. Yeah, this is this is a really interesting conversation that we're going to have today. So let me tell you how I even have this friend in my life. Uh, you have friends besides me. <laughs> What? <laughs> Believe it or not, I, I do have a larger friend repertoire than just right. Michelle Woods. But <laughs> I have friends in low places, and I'm not referring to you, but I also have okay. friends in high places. And since Dr. Doug Weiss lives in Colorado Springs, which is over a mile above sea level, I guess mm-hmm. he would be categorized as one of my friends in high places. Literally a high place. Yep. But I have to tell you a little bit about our history and how cool it is that we have reconnected after all these years. So I okay. want to say that it was the year 19. 1996. I would have, yeah, I would have been all of 29 years old. Uh, I was 13. Yeah. I had had a feeling that you were going to let me know. (laughs) I had just become a teenager worried about cheerleading and boys. Probably you were just getting your first training bra. I know. (laughs) (laughs) Such exciting times. I I had been married for several years and was white knuckling like crazy and was seeing a counselor for my what I thought was sex and love addiction issues at the time and I remember seeing an article in the Dallas Morning News written by a sexpert basically an expert in sexuality and his mm-hmm. name was Dr. Doug Weiss and I just remember loving the article and then a very short time later I was asked to be on a panel discussion at the American Association of Christian Counselors, and lo and behold, guess who one of the workshop leaders was? Dr. Doug. Yes, (laughs) yes, and so I actually got to meet him, and I remember feeling a little enamored, and so fast forward the tape, over 20 years, um, I get wind of this sexual integrity leadership summit that is taking place at Dr. Doug's counseling center in Colorado Springs. And, um, I was on the invitee list and was planning on attending. And then I got an email asking if I would be one of the keynote speakers and have like a whole hour to speak. And so I just crazy. Yeah. Amazing. I I felt so honored. And of course I said, yes, but I said, I I would like to just talk with Doug about what it is he has in mind that he might like me to present on. Uh And so he and I had a phone conversation where I unpacked for him some of the things that we unpacked about, uh, on the weird chat about sex and Jesus episode. Remember that conversation? Did he hang up on you or did he listen? (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. Like when I told him about how my coaching practice had had to evolve to be not just about sexual integrity, but also about sexual intimacy because Mm -hmm. of how many people I was recognizing that had fallen into sexual addiction because they, that they were married to someone who quite literally was a sexual anorexic. Like he just came alive. And, and I I remembered he actually coined that term that I first heard that term, sexual anorexic. Uh, intimacy of, anorexic. I- intimacy oh. anorexic. Yes. Yes. Thank you. Thank you for correcting me. Yeah. Um, but the whole concept of someone actually being anorexic in 
in a way that affects their relationships and their sexual expression and their emotional connection and bonding. That was a topic that totally fascinated me. Right. So we just had the most amazing conversation. And he said two things that really piqued my curiosity and my immediate, res my immediate response to these two things was, Doug, we've got to have you on the podcast. So the first thing that he said was that there are people who assume that as long as they are faithful to their spouse, that's good enough, but they don't realize how important it is to be faithful toward their spouse. Okay. So, so there's a difference. There's a huge difference between being faithful to your spouse and being faithful toward your spouse. So what a difference those four little letters make, W-A-R-D. Mm -hmm. right. To be faithful to someone is not to cheat on them, but to be faithful toward someone, we're going to let Dr. Doug unpack that definition more completely. And then he also mentioned that American women often have a reputation of being the worst lovers. No. <laughs> yeah. What? And, and as an American woman, I, you know, of course that scared me, but it also rang true because I often am dealing with American women in my coaching right. practice, but it's not just women, it's men too, who struggle mm -hmm. with, um, with intimacy, anorexia and, you know, body image issues and all kinds of hangups. Right. So we're going to do two shows with Dr. Doug. Uh, about these very topics. So lucky us. I know. So let's <laughs> dive right in after this commercial break. Imagine four days on a beach in paradise with three experts in sexual connection, helping the two of you become one sexually confident couple. Yeah, it is possible. Join Shannon Etheridge and friends at Nyer Resort and Spa in Placencia, Belize for the Sexually Confident Couple Workshop. Coming up May 24th through 27th or May 27th through 30th, 2020. Register today at ShannonEthridge.com by clicking on the workshops link. Space is incredibly limited, so don't miss this sexually confident couple workshop. It's truly going to be unbelievable. So Doug, thank you so much for taking the time to come onto the show. I know that we're going to have a fantastic conversation. So let's dive in with this question of what does it look like to be faithful toward your spouse, not just to your spouse, but toward your spouse? Oh, that is a great conversation to have because I have that with clients all the time because I work with people, they fly in, their marriages are on the very brink of disaster. We're going to get divorced unless we have a miracle. I hear that probably three or four times a month. Uh, Shannon. So, and, 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 and I had a really very significant conversation even just recently with a woman because especially people who go to the church or religious, they tend to focus on the first part of the marriage vow. Okay. I promise to forsake all others. Mm -hmm. And what they do is they hold on to that first part and they say, I've never cheated. I am such a good husband and such a good wife. Like there is no other measure for me. <laughs> I have wow. made an A plus. Now they didn't hear the rest of the vows. Which right are? Picked off. Well, the re and I've married people. So the rest of them are to love, honor, and cherish. Generally speaking, those are the three commitments you make that are towards your spouse. The first commitment you make is to be faithful to your spouse. Mm -hmm. And then there, and we may get into a conversation about what we call intimacy anorexia, where they stay married to themselves. So they never really are even faithful to their spouse. Okay. But generally speaking, they'll take that and say, okay, I'm a good spouse if I'm faithful to, and then generally a man or a woman will come up with two or three things they're really good at. So he's like, well, I fix things. 
I go to work <laughs> and I put the toilet seat down and I am getting an A plus. Now what happens is this is really funny because they create their own test uh-huh. and they always pass it because, <laughs> because it's always what they're naturally good at. But the toilet right. seat thing is important, Doug. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> To but, girls, I've never heard a guy <laughs> complain about that. You know, I've just never heard a guy complain about that. You know, he's going to put is, it up all the time and he never complains. <laughs> my guess is that she has a very different litmus test for whether or not he oh, yeah. is being faithful to his vows toward her. But she also has a different litmus test for how she is as far as a wife. I wish I could take that vow and say, I, I commit to be lover to you the rest of your life. Because as soon as I hear man and wife, they go into function, they go into role. Mm -hmm. And I'm a good wife if I cook, clean, and if I have- and help take care of the kids. Yeah, and maybe I'll have sex too, okay? So mm -hmm. there's, there's my little three things, and he's got his little three things. Now you can see just you and I talking about it, how silly that is, mm -hmm. but that's actually the way people have in their processor, how they assess whether they're a decent spouse or not. Right. Okay. And all the while totally overlooking the emotional needs or the sexual needs of their spouse. But that's so, the love, honor, and cherish. Yeah, See, that's, I, yeah. That's the faithful towards you. Right. Now, I can be faithful to you and have zero faithfulness towards you. Right. So let's back up for a second. So you have been in this line of work for three decades. You have yeah. 30 books or you have 40 books, uh, 30 DVDs. Uh, I thought I was something special because I bought a house to house workshops. You bought a church to house a <laughs> counseling center. Like you are serious. I'm going to help um, your vision, Shannon. <laughs> you are. You're, you're making me feel very tiny at the moment. <laughs> no, you are challenging me, Doug. You are totally challenging me. And so, um, so you, you were really all out, sold out to this message of helping couples heal from sexual addiction, mm -hmm. helping couples heal from sexual anorexia and helping yeah. partners of addicts and, and anorexics heal. So I think that at this point in history, everybody knows what sexual addiction is. That's mm -hmm. all the church has talked about really for the past several sure. decades, but intimacy anorexia, this is probably a new term to a lot of people. Yes. So Doug, you coined this term. You've mm -hmm. talked about it on Dr. Phil, Oprah, all kinds of different places. Yep. Unpack it with us. What is intimacy anorexia? Well, intimacy and actually may be the kind of secret thing that's making it very hard for people to love, honor, and cherish. So let's walk through that. So intimacy and anorexia definition is the active withholding of spiritual, emotional, and sexual intimacy from your spouse. Everyone else thinks you're a wonderful guy. You're great at church. She's great at, at you know, the PTA meetings. We have this public persona, but when you go home, there's no pursuing your spouse without, unless they're in pain or they're threatening you. There's no uh, active romance, sensuality, eroticism. There's, there's like none of that. You go home, you sit in front of the TV or you're on your phone or you're doing your paper, or you're doing your dishes. You're doing something that's not, hey, how are you? You're coexisting. You? You're coexisting, yes. but there's no exchange of sexual or emotional energy in, in a positive way. What I call a functionship, not a relationship. Oh, that's, I'll say that again, a yeah. functionship. You're having a, func a functionship, but not a relationship. So things are getting done. There's moving pieces, homework, dishes, laundry, you know, commitments and community and church or whatever. Mm -hmm. But 
we are not organically becoming one. We are not organically knowing each other. We are not organically solving problems. We are not organically making love. We are functioning. And so the characteristics of intimacy and anorexia for your, for your listeners. So, you know, just kind of write these down. Uh, I was going to say, I can imagine that women in particular are turning up the volume, but I want to make it really, really clear. We're not just talking about anorexic men. Oh, no. Women can be the worst case scenario is an intimacy anorexic woman. Right, right. <laughs> because because you can't hit a girl. You know? <laughs> and I can imagine that there are some men who've really wanted to do that. Just well, there's like some there therapists that want to. to that there's, some, <laughs> yeah, there's some therapists say, honey, you haven't had sex in three years and you're wondering why he's not happy. You know, <laughs> you know what I'm yeah. saying? Seriously. You, you don't need to, you need to pay me to tell you that. So, so anyway, but so again, this, yeah, so, so this, is, this is where the conversation between us last time, like the energy level went out the roof because you and I both see this so every often day, in day. clients. So unpack it further. Okay. So the characteristics, they're too busy for you and it doesn't have to be productive. It can be cell phone, TV, uh, computer screen. Uh, they blame you for all the problems in the relationship which means they don't ever say I'm sorry or I'm wrong. Yeah, if we have a problem in the marriage, it's your problem. Yeah, Go see a counselor. I don't have a problem. I don't need to see a counselor. Mm -hmm. Oh, please don't do that to me right now, okay? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's, that, that's the famous line. I don't have a problem in our marriage. It's their problem. Yes, and so there's that. And so the blame, they withhold love, especially the way that you want to be loved. You'll say, hey, will you touch me? Will you give me gifts? Will you give me time? And that's exactly where they withhold the way you want to be loved. Uh, they will withhold praise from you. They might praise you publicly or you know, with, with you not being there, but to actually look in your eyes and go, you know what, you're an amazing woman. You're really intelligent and gifted. Like, I just love being with you. Like, you don't get that. And, and so, so from the outside, why? Yeah, from, from the outside looking in, people hear that public praise and they think, oh, he's, he's must be he's such, such a wonderful, a wonderful guy. <laughs> but they have no guy. idea that when the door closes, it's crickets it's and you can't even get him to look at you. Yeah, yeah are, are, the, are, the, are the man who's never hugged unless he's in public. Mm, yeah, where the woman right? just wants the world to think she's a great wife, but she right. is she's really not. just not interested. She's not. and so Or it's uh, just self-protecting, wouldn't you say? Yes, yes. And so they withhold, they withhold love, they withhold praise, they withhold spiritually, even if they're rabbis, pastors, medicine men or women, they won't connect spiritually with their spouse. Okay, they might go to church or synagogue, but they won't go and at home, connect, worship, pray, engage, meditate, whatever their form is, they won't do it together. So and it's then, kind of like the cobbler's children who have no shoes, they give and they give and exactly. they give to everybody else, but they don't take care of their own spouse. Right, right. Feed the world, starve the spouse. That would be an intimacy anorexia t-shirt. And so then... Uh, <laughs> that's, better. that's better than our t-shirts, Michelle. And they, they withhold sexuality, but sexuality can be held, withheld in so many areas. Romance, sensuality, actual sex, being disconnected during sex, or uh, removal of eroticism. Any of those could be withholding sexuality. Can I add one to that list? Sure. How about shaming of their sexual oh, yeah. needs or desires or fantasies? Oh, yeah. oh, absolutely. If you if you're sexual and if you're married to an intimacy anorexic and you even mention sensuality, sexuality, or even some hey, look, can we do it somewhere other than the bed? You're a sicko. Yeah. Can we just mm -hmm. change positions? What are right. you? Some kind of freak? Yeah. Right. Exactly. So you know, you, we've had the same people in our office. <laughs> but if you understand intimacy anorexia, I want to say this right away. There's hope. 
people can heal, change, and really become good lovers and friends if they do the work. And there's an outline for that. There's workbooks for that. There's DVDs for that, all that. So let me go through the rest of this. Uh, they're unwilling or unable to share their feelings with you. Mm-hmm. They can share with the neighbors, the postman, the people at work, but with you, they won't actually share their heart unless they're really, really pushed. Okay. Right. Um, and then also they will use anger or silence as a way to control. And you and I have seen people who like, they literally sleep in the same bed and haven't talked for days, weeks, or months. Right. And so they, so they control by silence. I will, I will not talk to you until you capitulate to our last conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes they'll withhold and control around money issues. Uh, and, uh, generally speaking, this characteristic is normal. Uh, the spouse feels like a roommate. So if you're living with someone and you've had this conversation, I feel alone. I feel like a roommate. I feel like you don't really want me. You don't really like me. You are probably living with an intimacy anorexic. And if you don't know that, you don't know how to even like Google that and find out what it is. You could be living in this kind of jello that you don't even know what it is. You're trying to figure it out and you get blamed all the time for everything that's wrong to keep you on, on that side of it. And you can go totally decades. I have a couple, 50 years of this. And they watched something on YouTube that said, that's it. They flew in and they're like, oh my gosh. Finally. Get get what we're dealing with. I Mm -hmm. go, absolutely. absolutely." Yeah, finally that there is a term for it. And there's, it's almost like the diagnosis sets them free to envision the possibilities are so much greater than what they feel like they've been stuck with for so long. Sure. And I think we get, uh, you know, stuff from all over the world, Australia, Europe, South America, Africa, all over. This is what I'm living with. This is the pain that I'm in. Right. Thank you. And there is actually a roadmap out. So Doug, you've done a really good job painting the picture of what the partner thinks and feels in their heads. And I know that the most common thought is what's wrong with me that Mm -hmm. I can't get my partner to connect with me, Mm -hmm. but what goes on in the anorexics? head what 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 do yeah, you find is most commonly that? operating yeah well sometimes okay so intimacy interaction there's four causes sexual abuse which makes sense mm-hmm. okay, sure broken sex addiction pairing their intimacy to an object so real intimacy is scary um a cross-gender attachment if you're a guy you didn't attach to mom if you're a girl you didn't attach to dad you don't expect to be attached you don't even know what it's like to be attached and you would avoid being attached because it'd be scary don't even know the definition of the word in right. in a practical sense i have i have in, in the last few weeks i've had several ladies who literally have never been loved hmm. never because so often we choose a spouse that makes us feel the same way that we did as a child and right we... and it's also it's very familiar to be on the treadmill to want to be loved Mm-hmm. and to perform to be loved instead mm-hmm. of just being loved. Yeah. And, and the connection between the word familiar and family, uh, you know, it's obvious right. that we, we are drawn to the familiar because it, it makes us comfortable, but that, that usually, that often doesn't last very long um, when we realize what we're missing. So right. anything else about the anorexic that you think that we need to no, I think, know I think and that, understand? That a, good, a good understanding of that. And then anyone, they can get help with that. There's lots of stuff. We even have Facebook groups for the spouse married alone, for the intimacy anorexics, all that. Mm-hmm. But you're, you know, we were talking about being faithful toward. Mm-hmm. This can keep you from being faithful toward. Now to be faithful toward means you're a lover. Yeah. You stay a lover. You and stay you- listening. You send sexy text. You grab them a little bit. And you have a well that they can draw from anytime they need it. All the time. You are the source of sexual and emotional energy for that person. Absolutely. And it's, and it's playful and it's fun and there's creativity and there's, 
there's acceptance and mutuality, maybe even experimenting in growth. And there's this organic part of your relationship that just seems to be evolving, just like you evolve socially, financially, spiritually, um, socially, you evolve sexually. And if you're not evolving sexually, maybe one of you decided, I don't have to be a lover. I, I have to. I have to. I have to be a husband or wife, but I don't have to be a lover. And that's where they're not faithful toward their spouse. Right. And do you think that? Well, let, let me back up and let and ask this particular question because you looked at, listed off some of the reasons why people often find themselves in an in an anorexic state of mind and being in the relationship. What percentage of the time do you think that there's a biological reason, such as they're on the spectrum or they have something like schizoid personality disorder mm -hmm. or something along those lines? Asperger's, schizoid, something like that, that might be, that would show up very similar in the relationship because of the lack of attachment or the desire to attach. Right. They're just mm -hmm. not interested. They don't see the need. Right. Well, they don't feel the need. Like the right. battery's not there. Now with the schizoid, some of the stuff we do with intimacy anorexia can help them take that up a little bit, but they're never going to become like, you know, Romeo. Okay. Uh, but I would say in, in, in our population, we've been doing this for 30 years. That's probably less than 3%. Okay. So, this, so this really is this is a socially this and a culturally choice. conditioned, this is what? This is a choice. It basically says, I am not going to come out and play. And right. And you can't make me. So this is not necessarily a biological wiring thing. 97% oh, of the time, 97% no, no, of the time, no. this is socially or, or, or culturally conditioned or socially learned or emotionally driven Absolutely. by their own choices. Absolutely. So if they're because choosing they to shut better. down, if they're choosing to shut down, they can also choose to open up. Yes, they can. And they do it all the time. I, mean, I just, and I was in session, I, we do intensives. I do intensives. They fly in, they spend a week with me. And I was just in a session where the heart moved mm. and it opened up. And they began to connect and look each other in the eyes. They were doing an exercise. And it's like, wow, that's, you know, that's kind of what we live for. Those are the, you know, those little golf moments, you know? <laughs> yeah. Wonderful because that can stay permanent if they keep doing the work. Right. And it's an elixir to the counselor or coach's soul to witness this. But can you imagine the spouse that has felt so dry and neglected oh, for no. so many years? They what cry. an elixir to their soul that feels to them to finally have their spouse get it. Yeah. So, well, it's a, and, and even on a very simple thing, like I, I'll have a man look into his wife and just tell her that she's beautiful like 12 times in a row. Mm. And she has to say, I am beautiful. Mm. And, and I can tell you about 50% of the time when they're married to an anorexic, by the third or fourth time, she's bawling. I was going to say, I bet she I was bet. just sobbing. Because she's, she hasn't heard it in 10 or 15, 20 years. Oh, yeah. She and she probably questioned it like crazy or whether her husband if felt it or not. you're not being touched and you're not being groped and you're not being told and you're not being chased, you don't feel beautiful. Right. And right? the temptation to look elsewhere has to feel overwhelming to someone who's married to an anorexic. This, this is a tough thing because even the best of souls who are evaporated over decades um, look for an oil to heal that. Now, some of them just do the classic work addiction, religious addiction, food addiction. Some get depressed, but some will turn to a relationship to try to meet that oil. To, or, to or fantasy or, you know, pornography. Yeah. Trying absolutely. to, yeah. Or trying to live vicariously through other storylines and other scenarios. Or Hallmark and, TV. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Lifetime. <laughs> And Michelle's hey. thinking you're getting a little close to, to, the, yeah. to the cover zone there <laughs> or get a little hey. close to home right there. <laughs> Dr. Doug, I have a question for you. Yes, Michelle. So, and I'm taking notes over here like crazy. I feel like I'm, 
you know, I know a lot of this, but you're saying so many things that I haven't heard. And so I feel like I'm drinking from a, a fire hydrant. My page is full of notes, but just thinking about, you know, so many people that listen uh, are married, but so many people are also single. Mm-hmm. And we joke around when we do get married, you know, you've got that honeymoon phase and mm-hmm. which lasts for a short time. And then, you know, everything kind of changes and we talk about, well, I wish, you know, I wish things were the way they were when we started yeah. dating. Yeah. So for someone, you. yeah, it's so common, but someone that does struggle with this intimacy anorexia, you know, are there signs whenever no. you first start no. seeing somebody for all the single people out there that are yeah, I wish dating? Look, yeah. Okay. I wish that's scary. Was, you know, they, <laughs> they date pretty normally because as long as the door isn't closed, there is no fear of intimacy because they can always leave. Okay. Okay. So they don't hit that anxiety of, oh my gosh, now you want everything. Like you mean mm-hmm. everything all the time, every day. Yeah. Oh no, I'm not going to do that. And so I've had people even on the wedding night, it's shut down or within weeks or months of the wedding, they right. just couldn't show up. But I they, can tell. They feel like it's a bait and switch of, oh my gosh, yeah. they were so attentive while we were it dating is. and engaged. But then we, I've had women who told me that they were sobbing on their honeymoon Absolutely. because it's like, where did he go? What, what happened? I just shot a YouTube you know, on uh, when you didn't have sex on your wedding night. What does that mean? Okay. Because I've had hundreds of women tell me that. Mm-hmm. And, wow. and, and it was very indicative of what was going to be in their future because he was controlling it right from the very beginning. And so, but let, let me talk about the precursor um, that if, if you are in a relationship, if the person can't share their feelings with you and we have a feelings exercise, that's a good sign that they have some kind of either addiction or mental illness. Mm-hmm. Okay. If they can't be open about their spirituality and if they can't be open about their sexuality, uh, those are indicators that they're not going to be open with you. So right. that you can at least evaluate, but there is no, I wish if there was a litmus test for intimacy anorexia, I would be the richest man on the <laughs> Yeah. But I, I do think though, that even just giving yourself the gift of time in a dating relationship oh, and not jumping into engagement or marriage, because I, I think that part of the purity culture movement, the result has been a lot of people just get married really, really fast because they're not yeah. going to have sex until they get married. And what they overlook is the reality of but I needed to give that relationship more time to see mm-hmm. their true colors come out. Cause anybody can be who they want to be in the first few weeks or months of a relationship. Oh, that's absolutely true. Absolutely true. But even so I've had couples who've dated for three, five, seven years and they were all wonderful until the day they got married. Cause when uh-huh. that door closed, the anxiety for the intimacy rex, cause they need to be safe. They panic. It, it, yes. They panic. And all of a sudden they get really dysfunctional. And they didn't appear, even even in couples where they were being sexual before marriage, they were in that culture where it's kind of like, okay, to do that, they, they, it shut down afterwards. And so, yeah. Okay. So I want to be sure to let people know about the resources that you have that are really custom tailored for this specific issue. I know that you have a book called Intimacy Anorexia, Healing the Hidden Mm -hmm. Addiction in Your Marriage. Uh, Are there others of your books or DVDs that you want to specifically mention that if this show is hitting a nerve with people, where can they get more information? Well, there's Intimacy Anorexia, there's uh, Married and Alone, and both of those have Facebook groups, so they don't have to buy anything. They just get in group and start talking to people that can be validated. Um, And if they just go to intimacyanorexia.com, there's tons of material there. Workbooks, step books, uh, phone groups, counseling, intensives. We've solved this problem. We have solved this problem. Mm. If someone has this and they're willing to do the work, they live happily ever after. 
Now, if they don't want to do the work, they can come see Jesus and they're not going to get better. Okay. Right, right, <laughs> right. They, they have control over what right. they decide to do. But it's a curable problem. Okay. So Doug, as I mentioned to you on our previous phone call, I am all about not just pulling people out of the river, but hiking upstream to find out why are they falling in the river in the first place. And that's mm -hmm. why my practice, like your practice has had to evolve, not just focusing on sexual addiction, but focusing on, but why do people often act out in addictive ways sure, and sexual absolutely. anorexia at absolutely. home is often the reason why they are acting out. Let me just ask you this question for the benefit of all of our listeners who are raising children. Mm. What, what are things that moms and dads can do in their children to help them not fall into intimacy, anorexic patterns as sure. an adult? Well, you have to roll, you have to role model intimacy in your marriage the hugging, the kissing, mm -hmm. the little bit of teasing, playfulness, so they know that mom is valuable, dad's valuable, and we're still lovers. So role modeling is, of course, number one. Number two, what you can do, and I did this with my daughter, and it messed her up, okay? And so <laughs> when I would put her to bed when she was little, I'm talking elementary school, junior high school, you know, you put them to bed, and we would do one feeling a day. I would share one feeling from my heart. She would share one feeling from hers, okay? And we would pray together. And so she learned that a man can do feelings. And it inoculated her. It inoculated her because she, she had, um, she's beautiful. And, and she had some guys want to date her. She's like, I don't want to date them. They can't even talk about their feelings. <laughs> that's awesome. Um, so, that's so, good so, girl. So, so good that's girl. an inoculation because if you get used to, and for men and women to be able to share their feelings and to know that that's what a male-female relationship should look like. It shouldn't be mom just telling you what to do. Did you clean your room and stuff like that? It's like, hey, what do you feel today? Yeah. What's happening inside your heart? Let's yeah. talk about that. And you role model intimacy in a very, you know, uh, uh, safe way for them. Then they get, that's what they want. That's the temperature they're looking for. So A, role model it. B, interact at an emotional, spiritual level with your children. And that's what they'll expect. So then emotional intimacy becomes familiar to them and they're not going to settle for less than that. It would scare them. Like my daughter is like, she really can't talk to anyone who, who is emotionally deficient. I wrote a book called Emotional Fitness, which teaches people how to evolve emotionally rapidly. And, um, but she's had no interest in, in a guy who can't, it doesn't matter how cute they were or smart, what a school they went to. If they can't share feelings like that, like the guy can't share a feeling. Like, as if like, that's stupid. You know, no, I didn't tell her that most guys don't have that skill between 18 and 30. But. <laughs> well, but I, I do think that both moms and dads can do that, not just with their daughters, but also with their sons. I, I oh, have been very insistent that my son have some emotional conversations with me that maybe he didn't want to. It made it, maybe it made him feel uncomfortable, but I'm like, you know what, pal, your wife is going to need you to be able to be emotionally available to her. Who better to practice with than mom? We're going to talk right. about this. Yeah. And it's also good for dad to show that like, like sometimes we do around the table, not every night, but occasionally we would just say, okay, one feeling from the day, one praise to the other person who's on the left or right. So they got used to being able to praise, receive praise because they have to say thank you. And then uh, they were used to being able to share feelings in, in the context of a family. So yeah, yeah, it's, and they also hear dad share a feeling. Yeah. Dad mm -hmm. sharing a feeling in the house totally sets the parameters that it's okay to be real. Mm -hmm. You know? 
Well, you just validated all the reasons that we created this podcast, Sexual Confidence on Top, because it's not just about keeping your marriage strong. It is about passing the torch of healthy sexuality and emotional connection to our children. So I love that you just gave everybody permission to even gross their children out with the hugs and kisses that they're exchanging in the (laughs) kitchen, in the living room, not just in the bedroom, but all throughout the house. Kids need to see that. It gives them a sense of security. Well, thank you so much, Doug, for unpacking this this topic with me. Oh, I feel like we could have talked for three hours about it. So 30 minutes doesn't do it justice, but there's another topic that I'm hoping that you will join us for another episode to discuss, because when you said it, like every radar in my being went off and I, I want to talk about why it is often said that American women make the worst lovers. Have you heard that as well? Yeah. And I, I, I think there's some validity to that. We probably should talk about that. Yeah. We have jaw drops all over the place. <laughs> Shannon said, what? What? Michelle is wanting to know right now, like, uh, am I like an American no. woman and, no. and am not one of the best lovers? <laughs> I'm sure there are exceptions <laughs> to the rule. So we're going to talk about that on the next episode. Dr. Doug Weiss, thank you so much for unpacking <laughs> intimacy anorexia. How can people get in touch with you if they want to learn more or if they're interested in coming to you for some sort of intensive or, or counseling session? Uh, They can call 719-278-3708, or they can just visit intimacyanorexia.com, and we'll be happy to help serve in any way, or they could join one of the Facebook groups that's on the website as well. Awesome. All right. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Sexual Confidence on Tap with Shannon Etheridge and friends. We do love you for listening. And we thank you for tapping on us. How was that? Is that good? Feeling good? good? That's good. Uh That's real good.